Welcome to Denton North Church. Welcome to uh, the Windy Church. We're glad that you're here this morning. I'm Leslie, and I'm on staff here at Denton North, and we're glad you're here with us. I'm going to start off this morning with a few announcements. Um, first, just for your own information, the GDAC behind us is open. There are restrooms in there. You just need to wear your mask when you go in and go one person at a time into the actual restrooms themselves. That building will close at 11, so that'll be available, available to you until then. And if you did not bring a mask, we have some masks over here in this chair, and we have hand sanitizer over here on the bench if you need either one of those things. We are in the middle of our fundraiser for Metro Auto Ministry. You guys, one of the biggest things you can do to help with that is to share that information on Facebook or other social medias um, to get the word out. We're at least halfway through that fundraiser, but we've only raised about a third of the money that we need to. Um, so we really need to get the word out about that. So if you would do that, and if you would pray for this fundraiser, um, just for God to bring the money and the resources that we need to help people in um, the Denton area as well as other areas around, that would be great. Next Saturday is our leadership conference. That's next Saturday, coming up quick. Um, it's called Transformative Culture. That's what we'll be talking about. And this is going to be from 9 to 12.30. So we've organized this for the adults through our small groups. So you should get information from your small group leader. If you have not, or if for some reason you're not attached to a small group, then you can talk to one of our pastoral cohorts. So that would be Ryan Flache, Manny and Mia Semedi, or Hannah Ortega Johnson. Any of them can fill you in on details, help get you attached to a group to watch with, um, whatever you need. But it's important that you watch with a group because there's a lot of discussion in the leadership conference. And so you're going to get more out of it if you're with a group to watch and discuss with. So that's next Saturday. And then next Sunday at 8.30, so that's quite a bit earlier than when we meet, at 8.30 we're doing a donut mingle. This is especially with college students in mind. So what it is is it's an opportunity for the adults and the college students to interact, to get to know each other better, and for the college students to feel more connected to our body. So we need as many people as possible to be here at 8.30. Bring your own coffee, and we will have donuts. And the way the donuts will work so that it will be safe for everybody is they'll get the donuts early, and they'll use gloves and put those donuts into Ziploc bags so that you're just grabbing a Ziploc bag with a donut in it. So it's not like we're going to have donuts out and all these people are going to rush and have their hands all in them. It will be safe and sanitary. And then we'll have some um, activities to do to get to know one another better. So that's going to be next Sunday at 8.30. So we've asked you guys, I shouldn't say we because it wasn't me, the worship team asked you guys to be working on a worship activity. 
And we've asked some people to share. And this morning, I already had two people tell me they want to share. So Opal's going to share before we start, and Kurt's going to share as we end. If you have been working on this activity and you want to share, if you'll let me know, we'll uh, find a way to work that into one of our next services. We want as many people as possible to be able to share if you feel like that's something that God's uh, given you something to say to the body. So Opal, go ahead and come up and I'll let you start. A couple of months ago, I did a drawing of my friend Amy Millian. We were out to dinner pre-quarantine and I just took a minute to sketch the event. After I went home, my friend Catherine, Amy's daughter, was flipping through my sketchbook and said, oh, that's my mom. Catherine knows her mom's face. She knows it so well because she studied it her whole life. She knows it so well that even in my quickly done, poor drawing, she knew exactly who it was. I often see Jesus in shows, movies, and books I'm reading. I find that the more time I spend with Jesus, the more I can see him show up in those things. For example, there's this show called The Crown on Netflix. The first episode takes place on Christmas Day. The royal family has gone to the countryside where a small group of carolers come to sing them to them and wish them a happy Christmas. A little girl presents the king with a large red box. Enclosed is a crown. A crown. She handmade it out of paper. He puts the crown on his head proudly, sweetly chuckles, stands up, and takes her hand. Another of the carolers starts singing, What may I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? I give him my heart. In the end of that song, it zooms in on the king's face and you see him crying. I weep every time I watch it <laughs> because it reminds me of the heart of God. The king has all the jewels and nice things he could ever want, but is so delighted with the small paper crown the girl has made for him. The king could have any record, choir, musical group, serenade him on any minute of any day he wanted, yet weeps at this woman's song. God can have anything he wants, yet is delighted in my simple song and feeble attempts at painting for him. He doesn't just tolerate my paintings, poems, or songs. He delights in them. And I wouldn't have known that or been reminded of that if I didn't know his heart through the experience of spiritual disciplines, a.k.a. learning his face. When I see God's face, I am reminded of his goodness, which leads me to worship, in turn knowing his face better. And the more that I do this, the more I engage with this cycle of praise instead of hurry, stress, and distraction. So the prompt said to respond to God, and my heart responded to these truths with a repentance. And so I wrote a prayer that I will now share. Lord, my foolish, feeble heart, I get so distracted from you. I set my course, and then I'm knocked out so easily by the world of distraction, emotion, and hurry. Forgive me for losing sight, for putting my attention into learning the face of evil and not my father. Surely now I know the face of sin best. I've embraced it with open arms. Let it rule my life, dragging me from place to place. I think about the words I say, how I act. Is it in your image or the image of death? And how might I apologize? What, what repentance would be accepted? I come to you again and again, carrying the shame of understanding the weight of my brokenness. Again and again, you embrace me. 
This is the image of the Father, my Father, one who always welcomes with open arms. Oh, Lord, let me be like that to your people, always welcoming. Remind me to seek your face, and when I seek it, Lord, help me to find it. Remind me why I come to you when I lose sight of the truth, and remind me why I come to you even when I am seeking you but actively discouraged in that process. Remind me you're there. Help me to see your face, to know it, and help me to see you in your people, for it is the you in them that I love most. Help me to see your work, see it shining, to see it in the trees of the earth, the moment-to-moment interactions at group gatherings, the gentleness of a friend or the eyes of a mother, the reflection of you in your creation. Help me to see it, and as I do, remind me that this is why I seek you, because you are good, loving, and true. The worst parts of me are nothing to you. Even on my worst days, at my wit's end, exhausted, broken, and lost, I can come to you, for you are good and your mercy endures forever. Amen. Thanks for sharing that, Opal. Opal shared that with our small group Wednesday night, and our small group encouraged her to share it with all of you this morning. Um, Remember that the purpose of the sharing is to lead us to worship, um, to lead us to worship our God. So our sermon series right now is on Christianity, community, and character. So who is Jesus, who are we, and who am I? And this morning, we're going to move from the section on who is Jesus to the section on community and who are we. And this is a subject that's really near to my heart. Like, I've been a part of a church community um, since I was born. The church is a huge part of how I've learned to live my life for Jesus. It's a huge part of how I know who Jesus is. Um, It's a huge part of being corrected and turned around and sent in the right direction when I'm going the wrong way. It means so many things to me. It's really difficult to narrow it down to something reasonable to share with you on a Sunday morning. Um, So I tried to do that. And in doing that, just know that there are going to be a lot of things about community that you're going to go, oh, but she didn't say this. And oh, she left this out and all of those good things. And you're going to be right. It's a big topic to cover, but I'm going to do the best I can. So we're going to look at what is the purpose of community in Scripture. And I've picked four different Scriptures, basically, that I'm going to try and tie together this morning. Uh, The first one is Matthew 28, 18 through 20, just the Great Commission, where Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey everything that he's commanded. And he says, surely I am with you always. That is good news to the very end of the age. And then I'm also going to use Acts 1 and 2. So as we look at Acts 1 and 2, Luke starts out um, reminding Theophilus, who he's addressing this book to, that Jesus, he's talked about in the book of Luke, the things that Jesus did, the things that Jesus taught. Um, And after Jesus was crucified, 
then he presented himself to a lot of different people as proof that he had actually risen. And on one of those occasions, he says this, and I'm going to start in verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. So basically what Jesus is saying here is, guys, this is not your thing. Like God's going to take care of all that. Listen, like focus. Here's what the important thing is. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There's the important thing. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I want you to grab on to that word witnesses. I want you to hang on to that word as we talk about community this morning because it's going to come up quite a bit. And I think that it has an important meaning to community. So in the rest of chapter one, the disciples go back to Jerusalem. They gather together to wait like Jesus has told them to do. We see that they pray together, that they meet together, that there's about 120 of them, and they decide who to replace Judas with as one of the 12. So that's the rest of chapter one. Chapter two starts with the promise that Jesus gave them about being filled with the Holy Spirit actually happening. And so they are gathered Um, And the Holy Spirit comes on them. And the first thing they're enabled to do is to speak in other languages. Now, why is this important? Why would that be the first thing the Holy Spirit did? Because there were people that were in Jerusalem. They were there for the Feast of Weeks, which in Hebrew is called Shabbat and in Greek was called Pentecost. So this was a feast that they were told to celebrate in the Old Testament. They were gathering to do that. And there were people there from every nation, every tribe, all different languages. And so it was important that they be able to communicate in a language that would resonate with the people. And as you can imagine, speaking in different languages that they were not gifted to speak caused quite a disturbance among all the people. And so their reactions were everything from amazement. I hear them declaring the wonders of God in my own language to confusion. What does this mean? To ridicule. Maybe they're just drunk. So their reactions are going to go across the gamut here. And Peter takes advantage of this situation to explain the good news about Jesus to the crowd. He speaks very plainly to them. And he says, you, look what you did. You, with the help of wicked men, put Jesus to death by nailing him to the cross. Look what you did. But then two very sweet words follow that. And those two words are, but God. 
And when I look at my life, those two words are probably the most important words in my life. Leslie screwed up, but God. Leslie was unable to forgive, but God. Leslie was selfish, but God. And the list goes on and on. And I'm telling you this morning, we need to praise God for the but gods in our lives. And so this verse 24 in chapter two says, but God raised him from the dead, but God raised this Jesus whom you crucified from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then Peter speaks to them with other words. He talks about some prophecies that have been fulfilled. And skipping down to verse 32, he says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. There's that word again. We are all witnesses of it. In verse 36, we see the conclusion of his sermon, and he tells them, let me assure you that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Let me assure you this is true. And so the people are convicted. They know they're guilty, and they're devastated at that. And so their question is, what do we do? What do we do? And Peter tells them to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and that they'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That sounds a lot like what Jesus said. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything. And then he tells them, This promise is for you. That's good news. Like for me, I'm like, I'm so glad this promise is for me. But he goes on and he makes the news even better because he says, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This is for you, but it's not just for you. And it sets them up to go and tell other people, it sets them up to make disciples. And in verse 41, we see the result. The result is those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Do you remember in chapter one, how Jesus told them they would receive power from the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses? We get an amazing demonstration of this here at Pentecost. I don't think the biggest deal here was their ability to speak in different languages. I think that's really cool. Like I ask God a lot to let me speak in another language because I have friends that I can communicate with in their language, but I can't have a deep conversation with them. And so I long to be able to speak their language so I can have a deep conversation with them. Vianette's mom was here at church with her a couple of weeks ago, and Vianette told me later, she said, I wrote down what you were saying in your sermon, and I translated it to my mom. That's probably the closest I'm going to get to speaking in another language in any way that's meaningful. 
is Vianette translating for me. And that's very cool, but how cool would it be if I could do that on my own? But that's not the biggest deal. The biggest deal in my mind here is Peter witnessing to the good news of Jesus. And here's why. This is the same Peter who constantly failed to understand Jesus when Jesus was with him. He missed the point of Jesus teaching throughout his ministry. Okay, remember, get behind me, Satan, Jesus had to tell him. He denied Jesus not one time, but three times. And then he deserted him when he was being crucified. Now, this same Peter has the courage to witness to this big crowd. And how effective was his witness? 3,000 people were added that day. What has changed about Peter? What has changed about Peter, what enabled him to speak effectively to this crowd is the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is transformative and it transformed Peter and it transforms us and it transforms our community. So all of a sudden, this group of about 120 disciples is now a group of about 3,120 disciples. And so what do they do now? What does a community of disciples look like? Well, the answer to me is obvious, college. Jesus made his disciples, um, the disciples were made, and now they need to go to college to learn how to live like Jesus wants them to live because that's where we go when we want to learn things. When I wanted to learn how to be a teacher, I went to college and I learned a lot about teaching. I learned the elements of a lesson plan. I learned what books I needed in my classroom. I learned a little bit about child psychology. I learned how to use manipulatives um, in order to teach different subjects. I learned the importance of discipline, and I even learned some models of discipline. And taking those classes allowed me to get a degree and to take a test and be certified to be a teacher. So I could be hired now as a teacher. But let me tell you, that was way different than actually being a teacher. I did not learn to be a teacher at college. I learned to be a teacher when I got into a classroom. I learned to be a teacher when I actually had to teach a lesson to students that needed to understand the lesson. I became a teacher when I had to discipline a disruptive student. I became a teacher when I had to talk to an angry parent. I became a teacher when I lived it out. That's when I became a teacher. So maybe college is not the answer to this. So let's look at verses Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, and see what we can learn about community. So in 2 through 47, it says this, 40, sorry, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So first of all, we see that a community of disciples gathers. Because they're disciples and disciples are learners. So because they're learners, we see them gather together in large groups in the temple courts. That would be large groups. And in people's homes, that would be a small group. They gather together in all kinds of ways so that they can adopt a new way of living now that they're disciples. And they do that together. And so for us, we gather together like we are this morning in a large group. We gather together throughout the week in small groups. We gather together in even smaller groups for our LTGs. Those groups are no bigger than three. And then we gather together in one-on-ones. We gather in all different kinds of ways. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we meet to encourage one another. We meet to spur one another on to go out and and express love and good deeds to those around us. Now, here's the thing. We've put a lot of emphasis as a church on the going out part, the going out and the being the church in the world around us. And that is important. But I think we've sometimes done it in a way that makes the gathering seem unimportant. It makes this part seem unimportant. It makes our small group seem unimportant. And so I can kind of be there or kind of not because the important thing is that I go out into the world and that I live as the church in the world. But here's the thing. God made this so that they're dependent on each other. And so gathering as a church doesn't matter if we're not being the church out in our community. However, being the church often stops happening when we're not gathering together because we're not spurring one another on. We're not encouraging one another. We're not correcting and rebuking one another. So the gathering is important. The second thing we see is that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, so they were learners. They were learning. Teaching and learning helps us explore the implications of living out the gospel. That is so broad. Like, what does that even look like? Romans 12, 2 says it this way, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Guys, the renewing of your mind happens over a lifetime. That happens over and over every day. And we've got to renew our minds around God and his love and his purpose and his meaning for our lives. And we do that together. It affects how we view relationships, how we review, how we view our stuff, how we think about sex, how we think about jobs and entertainment, justice and art. It affects everything. We have to renew our minds in every way, and that takes a lifetime. 
So we learn a new way of life, a new way of thinking and behaving, and we learn it together. Everyone is learning. Everyone is growing. And I'll just add right here, just kind of as a side note, that one of the signs of being a mature disciple is when we quit asking, what does this church have to offer me? And we start asking, what do I have to offer this church, this community? That's the mark of a mature disciple. Okay, so the community of disciples gathers, they learn, they fellowship. That's one of the other ones we see. So fellowship, in this context, it says that they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions. Um, fellowship involved a commitment to sharing life, to sharing stuff, resources, if you will, sharing time, sharing energy, fellowship. It connotated a commitment. It connotated a priority, a regular practice of sharing with the community and a commitment to sharing all things. And I got to tell you, with social distancing, this is something I miss. I miss being able to share all parts of life. I miss having people into my home. I miss getting to meet people face to face and share a meal together and having to do that through a mask. I'm thankful we can still do that. Don't get me wrong, but I miss those things about fellowship. See, this group had a lot of diversity. People were coming from all over. And so there were differences in food, differences in language, differences in culture, yet they were very connected. They were very connected through Christ. And because of that, everything they had was available. Because we are connected as a body, everything I have is available to you. Now listen, that does not mean that everything I own, you own too. That's a different thought. And the best way that I can think of to explain this is that Claudia is living with Grant and Shayla right now. Claudia needed a place to stay until her and Ricardo got married. And so Grant and Shayla said, we have a house. We have room in our house for you to come and stay with us. And so what we have belongs to you too. Come and stay with us. That does not mean Claudia owns the house. Like they did not put her name on the mortgage. They did not sign her up to pay part of the house payment. See, it's the way that Grant and Shayla view their house. They view it as belonging to the community, so they use it for the good of the community. But they are still the owners, and they make those decisions about what's going to happen. But it's the way that we choose to look at our stuff. It remakes the way we look at our stuff. I want you to imagine for a second the stories that would come out of this community about how people were blessed by other Christians viewing things as belonging to the good of the community and not just themselves. Okay, so the next thing is that uh, disciples break bread, and so they eat together. When um, our boys were growing up, we ate dinner together most nights. We did not sit in front of the TV 
we sat at the dinner table and we ate and we talked and we laughed. And sometimes we had serious conversations and sometimes we had funny conversations, but it was an investment. It was difficult to always have dinner together. But we carved that time out. We invested in their, our relationships with them. We were intentional in our relationships with them. And important things happened. And it's the same way in the community. Eating together is about sharing and opening your life. It's about investing in relationships. And it's about being intentional to be together as often as we can. We couldn't have dinner together every single night, but most nights we did. As often as we could, we did. And that's what um, breaking bread together is all about. It's the setting for the Lord's Supper as well. So out of their eating together, they would take the bread and the wine to remind themselves who they belong to to remind themselves of the sacrifice Jesus made for them. It's where we see examples and how to put into practice the things that we're learning. Um, I think about the one another passages, and I think particularly about forgive one another and confess your sins to one another. Like, how are you going to learn how to forgive one another? How am I going to learn that? How am I going to learn how to confess sin? Well, I'm going to learn it in community. I'm going to learn it where I see other people practice forgiveness. I'm going to learn it in community where I'm a jerk sometimes and I need forgiveness and I see other people extend forgiveness to me. That's how I learn it so that I can go out and forgive other people. I learn it through confession of sin when I have to confess and say, will you please forgive me? So we learn to put into practice the things that mark a disciple in community. The one another passages, there's a lot of them, and those cannot be learned by yourself. So remember the word I told you to hold on to way back at the beginning of the sermon, the word witness? Our life together as disciples is our witness. Don't get me wrong, we do witness with our words, but we also witness with our lives. And part of being a community of disciples is our witness to the world. And then the last thing it says is uh, they were devoted to prayer. And in some translations, you're going to see they were devoted to the prayers. And because I think that this is the answer to why they do what they do, it's their response of gratefulness to Jesus. It's their worship of Jesus. And so all these things that we do as a community of disciples are done out of gratefulness and worship to Jesus. And we see that at the very end there, the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. So more disciples were being made as the community lived its life. And that sounds vaguely familiar. As they were learning and living life together, empowered by the Holy Spirit, the disciples were maturing and more disciples were being made, all out of gratefulness, giving glory to God. Where have I heard that before? 
The purpose of community is making and maturing disciples to the glory of God. That's the purpose of community. I don't know a simpler way to say it. And believe me, I looked for a bunch of them while I was preparing for this. It's how we let our light shine before others. It's how they see our good deeds and they praise our Father in heaven. That's Matthew 5, 16. The purpose of our community is to be a light for those around us and to learn how to do that well together. So I ask some of our members if they would send me an illustration of the purpose of community. And so I told them, like, it can be a personal story about community. It can be um, a poem. It can be whatever you want to. But I want something personal. Like, I want our community to hear this is what a community does, and this is what it looks like practically speaking. And one thing I would say is, is community easy? No. Is it comfortable? Every once in a while, but almost never. Is it messy? Extremely. And is it worth it? Absolutely worth it. And I hope that some of these illustrations will help you see why it's worth it. So the first one is from Troy Coleman. And Troy wrote a poem slash short story about the importance of community. And this is what it says. The gentle gardener. I am a sapling that has been transplanted. The soil here has been tilled and filled with nutrients with which I am to grow, prepared in advance for me. The ingredients to experience all of life's important events. I have been placed here in order to be filled with the living water and strengthened by the light of the sun. Around me, I see the rest of the fruit of the gentle gardener, the work of his mighty hand. I can only see a small fraction of what he has built, and still, it is a glorious reflection of his majesty. I have been in other gardens before, places where there isn't much life, no growth. They were certainly comfortable, and I was content. But if I stayed too long, I wouldn't have produced any fruit. And what's the point of a tree with no fruit? Then he came, the gentle gardener. He uprooted me. It was terribly painful. He took me out of my comfortable soil and he carried me to new ground and placed me where he wanted me to be, where I am supposed to be. He tends to me every day, making sure I have what I need. I see him tending to the other trees as well. I can tell he has helped them to produce good fruit with the touch of his hand. And he is constantly bringing in new saplings, just as he did for me. He walks the garden daily. He weeps tears of joy as he sees his work. He knows his hard work will lead to wonderful fruit. I think that if you listen carefully, you can hear some of the things we talked about, about community this morning. We can hear how the community reflects God's majesty. We can hear how the community produces good fruit and how new saplings are brought in. I asked Judy Davis, and Judy may have been the only one who um, actually stuck to the requirement that I said of under a minute. So hers is short, but very powerful. So from Judy, the church is my family who loves me and loves my family. Parenting is not easy. And I'm so thankful for our church family who loves our sons. 
So many have spent countless hours loving them, mentoring them, encouraging them, studying the Bible with them, and just doing life with them. I can't imagine not having this support and discipleship. I also am thankful for the encouragement, support, and counseling we have received as parents. I wouldn't do life any other way. This is from Autumn Huasong. Um, Autumn was telling me about an article that she had read that talked about community. And so she listed some things that went off some of the bullet points from that article. And so the first one says, my last year of teaching, I had just gotten back from Thailand and only had a few days to decorate and organize my classroom before school would begin. I was changing grade levels and classrooms and was super stressed. A lot of friends and family drove almost an hour to my school to help me decorate my classroom and get it ready for my students. I remember my coworkers being amazed at how many people I had in my life that would be willing to drive so far and give up their time to help me. Most of my coworkers didn't have any help at all. That word witness, that's an example of that. People from DNC showing up and hanging out with us on the different occasions we were in the hospital, whether it be an ER visit or staying in the hospital for a few days, always asking us how they can help and telling us that they were praying for us encouragement. Most recently, Tong lost his job and our financial situation was changing fast. We weren't going to be able to help out Tong's family the way we had been. A group of friends gave us some money so that we could give the money to Tong's family while we were searching for new jobs. Everything belongs to the good of the community. Being part of an LTG group has allowed me to be vulnerable and share times when I have not been kind to my husband or others. It has allowed me to be real and honest about what is going on in my life. And that involves confession. Friends who have prayed for years while we were at jobs that were not healthy or the best and celebrated with us when we were given new opportunities. Those are the times when people from this community have been examples of Jesus to us and been there for me and Tong. Being part of this community challenges me to be Jesus to others and give with my time and money because there have been so many times when they've done that from, for us. We learn from each other in community. And then Tong said this, I remembered long time ago, there is a saying that I forgot at this point, that we want to be community where if you lose a job or a house, that you will have people that you can count on. I think of the time when I first moved to Texas, my apartment has bed bugs for three months. At first, I don't know what that was until I caught one. So like he doesn't even know what a bed bug is until he caught one and found out that's what it was. I went to Northeast Church at that time and I had just started. Alex Soriano and his roommate were kind to me and pretty much let me do laundry, sleeping there during the bed bug infestation because my part apartment refused to do anything. I can imagine the risk of taking me in with my apartment being infested. I can imagine the risk of taking me in with my apartment being infested. You're also not alone in a community. This story always comes back to my mind to remind me when times were tough and I felt lonely and disconnected. 
Back around Christmas time in 2013, I received the news that my brother, who had stem cell transplant at that time, is not doing well and is progressively getting worse. I was in Houston, and I remember I posted on the church page to ask for prayers. I was alone most of the time there because the person I stay with would go and see his girlfriend. Brad reached out to me and bought me a ticket for me to fly back to Denton so I could be around people. I remembered that I'm being picked up, dropped off, and immediately picked up by other people. I wasn't alone at all and always around people. Even when my brother passed, the church helped out with the funeral to my mom's surprise because we don't know Tong's brother or her, but we helped out and she was very grateful. The church community has been there for me at the time where I lost my job. Kurt has reached out to me to ask if I need anything. So has Sean, who had lunch with me the day I lost my job. When the church community reaches out to you and asks you what they need, what you need, they mean every word of it. And here is my haiku. So Tong wrote a haiku, and if you don't know what a haiku is, it's very short, it's very specific, but I want you to hear the power of what he wrote. When your tree falls deep in the forest, no one notice. God is there. See you. God is there. And he learned that through community. So questions I want you to ask yourself this morning. What does it mean for you to be a part and be committed to the Denton North community? What does it mean for you to be a part and be committed to the Denton North community? And then something I wanted you to think about just in terms of the limitations we have placed on us right now as far as COVID and being safe and being careful, um, the reality that we may have to go back to not meeting in person again at some point um, during the winter when it becomes harder to meet outside. Um, what does it mean to live as a community during COVID? Like, what does it mean when we can't do some of the things that normally we would do as a community? How do, how do we navigate that? What do we do about that? How do we maintain a community in the midst of those restrictions? So I want you to think through that as well. And I'll tell you that I would love to hear your answers to that. So as you think through that, as you get answers, feel free to text me or email or say, hey, can we meet up? Because I would love to hear the things that you come up with there. Okay, we're going to um, do communion now. And then Kurt's going to come up and share his worship thought and uh, we'll be done. But part of being a community is taking the Lord's Supper together, taking communion together. It's reminding ourselves that Jesus is why we do what we do. Jesus is why we meet this morning. Jesus is why we go out when we're done. His crucifixion was for us because we're guilty. But God, those two sweet words, but God, raised him from the dead and he does the same for us. And we celebrate that together today. That's what communion is about. So let that convict you, let that encourage you, let that compel you to go out and tell other people, to go out and love other people well. 
Um, and that's what I want you to think about and pray about um, and talk to each other about as we take this communion together. So I'm going to pray, and then I'll give you a few minutes to take communion, and then Kurt will get up and finish us out. Father, I am immensely grateful for community. And thank you for the opportunity to live life with, to learn from, to fellowship and break bread together with this group of people. I'm thankful to be a part of a church that is much bigger than just Denton North. Um, I'm thankful for our community of churches. I'm thankful for the other churches in the Denton community. I'm thankful for the church worldwide and the unity that we have in Christ. I pray, God, that we will cherish and take advantage of the community you've put us in. And I pray that your name will be glorified. I pray that we'll be witnesses of Jesus. And I thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us community and for loving us. I thank you for Jesus, and I thank you for his sacrifice for us. And I pray, God, that we'll be faithful witnesses of that. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Ooh, morning. I just want to um, thank those that shared a, a, kind of a testimony for Leslie's talk, just uh, for giving us just uh, another some other thoughts about just what community looks like and i appreciate opal sharing this morning and those of you that have shared for the the response talks and i want to just talk about a couple things real quickly before uh, i talked a little bit about my response but anyway um, i would just like to encourage on, on a couple of separate things um first of all continuing with what Leslie was saying about community um, I just want to say and I haven't had a chance to say thank you for those of you that uh, were uh, signed his cards and um, somebody sent him a cake too and just really uh, loved up on Joe um, for his birthday a couple of weeks ago and I just want to uh, just tell you as a church thank you for still taking care of Joe he's not able to be with us right now but as a community you're really helping to step up and take care of him um, Hopefully, real soon, there will be some outside visits for him, and um, I can give you more information for some of you that might want to go see him, uh, just a safe way to go see him, and uh, I'll talk to you about that. Also, I just want to encourage you, and I know Leslie talked about this a little bit, I think, at the first, was um, just about the leadership retreat conference this weekend, and I just want to encourage you as many as possible, if you possibly can, to meet with your small group, your LTG, um, if you feel comfortable just meeting in your home, whatever. I just really would like to encourage you to participate in that as, as best you can. I think it'll be very uh, beneficial. It always is to our church. And uh, I just think it's something that uh, we can all be a part of and just be encouraged by. So that'll be next Saturday at nine o'clock. So um, uh, participate that as much as you can. Um, I'd like to just, um, before we uh, leave today, just share my um, response um, to um, what the worship teams asked us to do. And for me, it's the two ways that I really feel like I connect to God are, are music and nature. And um, just all my life, music. Uh, growing up, it was on Sundays, it was church hymnals and things like that. Things like How Great Thou Art and things like that. Songs that I grew up with. Of course, Monday through during the week, it was country music. You know, those of you that like country music, you know, 
the, you know, the old John Denver song, thank God I'm a country boy. You know, that was a, that was a Christian song, right? Cause it was, thank God I'm a country boy. Right. So anyway, so, uh, those are just some ways that I grew up, you know, just relating to music. And over the last few months, just with everything that's been going on, um, Matt, I, I hope I'm saying his name right. Matt Ma- Mahir or Mahar, I can't. He's a he's a Christian artist. Has a song out called "The Living Breathing," and in this song, some of the lyrics say, uh, "I'll just read a little bit. Let everything, let everything, let everything praise the Lord. In the working, in the waiting, praise the Lord. In the blessing, in the breaking, come on, praise the Lord. In the dying." in the rising, in the rising, let it praise the Lord. And just looking at this song and then, and then looking at the questions they've asked is what might this say about the heart of God? I think for me, it just really says that God cares about all parts of our lives, not just little parts where we're going to church or we're doing this or doing that, that he cares about all parts of our lives and he cares about them when they're good and when they're bad. And I know um, this year, you know, you, I, I hear people all the time and we're and I'm guilty, too. You know, we're all we all get caught up in all this. You know, there's just a lot of uh, of darkness has been brought into the light this year in our country and in the world through this virus and some other things. And I hear people say, you know, I hate or I dislike 2020 and I wish it would go away. Yeah, we we've all probably felt that way. But I think. This song says to me, just a reminder that with everything that's going on, am I still praising God in, in, in all situations? And it doesn't mean I'm going to be praising God when, when really bad things happen and things like that. But what can I do in those situations to really think through that and think, okay, where can God work through this? Where can um, hope come from this. And that's what I think we need to do for our communities as to our non-believers and our believers. What hope am I giving people? Am I being doom and gloom or am I giving people hope? And I think that's the, that's really what I've gotten from this song. Okay. Am I still praising God even when times are tough and things are not as good as they've, they're they you know, it's, you know, my world's been shaken up. Our worlds have been shaken up. And am I really, um, doing what I can to praise God. And so that is just a song that's really spoken to me um, over the last few months. So let's, let's, let's close with a prayer. God, I just want to thank you for um, your love for us. And I thank you for community, Lord. I, I thank you for every person that's here. And Lord, if there's somebody not here that's on our mind, I pray that we just check in on them and see if they're okay. And if they're doing okay, but I just thank you for our community here. And Lord, I just pray that we will be a church of praise, that we will praise you in the good. And Lord, when it's tough, we sometimes we, we need to praise you when it's bad and, um, and, and look for the good in it, Lord, and, and give, our, give our communities hope. Our communities definitely need hope and we need hope and our hope is in you. Uh, Lord, I just pray for our, um, that we look for, um, how we can best um, be a light, even with uh, with our elections coming up, Lord, and with with things that are going on in the world, Lord, help us to give people hope. 
Lord, I just want to lift you up and thank you for just some things like the Metro Auto Ministry, Lord. And I, I uh, thank you for Brad and just the work that he's doing with that and just the people that you're helping. And I just pray, thank you for all the people that are giving to that. And I just pray that we will continue to provide resources for that so that it will be something that benefits and loves and shows love to people. Uh, Lord, I just pray for people that might be out here in our community that are looking for jobs. Uh, just, Lord, help them find the job that they need so that they can provide for the needs that they have and that you will. And Lord, just for people that are, the finances right now might be a little tight and are, are getting tighter. And just, I just pray that you will uh, help us to provide the resources. And Lord, as a community, I just ask our community right now, and I ask you that if someone is hurting or needing help in some way that they won't be afraid to ask that our community will feel that they will feel like they can go ask somebody, whether it be a Corfa or an adult leader or whoever that they can go ask. Lord, we just so thank you for today and just an opportunity to come outside in your nature and just be blessed by the fall time and just to enjoy the time we have with you and with each other. Thank you so much for loving us and being our God and our Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a good day. Love you guys. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.